Thank you, Shelley. May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. And may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear. Before I begin my message, I want to once again thank family members for coming here and making that part of the service so very special. We'll not ever forget those who have gone before us. Years ago, there was a group of Christians who were from the United States, and you might recall this. It was all over the news. But they went to visit Nicaragua. And at the time, the Contras were uh, just tearing up the countryside and killing folks, and uh, it was a terrible time for that nation. But this group of Christians from the United States went there to do some relief work and to help the innocent citizens who needed some help. And while they were there, one of the members of their group, I believe he was a bishop, but he was killed by the Contras. Now the group was confused and full of questions. They'd gone over there to do something good, and as a result, one of their people was killed. They were full of questions. Well, the next Sunday, there was a memorial service that was held. And from the altar, the priest said these words, the peace of the Lord be with you. And the Nicaraguan people that were there in the congregation began to embrace the Americans that were there to help them and to say paz, which means peace in their language. These people who had suffered in so many ways and were still suffering greatly were passing the peace of Christ. During communion, there was a pause. The congregation was silent. And then someone called out a name. And in one voice, the whole congregation responded, Presente means present. Another name was called out. Once again, the response was, Presente. During that service, at least 20 different names were called out, and each with the same response, Presente. Well, the pastor who was leading this, was with this group of Christians, didn't understand what was happening until he heard the name of their guy that was with them who had been killed. When the, when the priest read the, word, the name Oscar Romero and the same response, Presente. Then they began to realize that these were all names of people who had died. And after that, he joined them in shouting, Presente. Presente is a word used in that nation by school children during roll call. At the Lord's table, the word Presente means in our midst or present with us. Shouting presente in this worship service was a way of saying that those people 
had all died, but their presence and their influence was still felt and was still there with them in that place that day. Today we celebrate All Saints Sunday. We remember our people. We remember those who's, some who have influenced our faith development. We remember people whose presence is still felt every day in our lives, even though they now rest. All Saints Sunday is the church's memorial day, a time to remember and to give thanks to God for those he gave to us and who have returned to him. With these thoughts in mind, go with me now to a mountain where Jesus is teaching his disciples. And he begins his teaching with a list of Beatitudes. We're all familiar with these Beatitudes. We've heard them before. Here's a list that pictures the life of a saint. On this All Saints Day, let's look at three of the more difficult Beatitudes to see if you and I might qualify. Saints are people, first of all, who live their lives trusting God. Trusting God above all. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs shall be the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus isn't saying that it's great to be poor. It's great to be in poverty. One couple said that they saved a lot of money by going over their household budget together every single evening. And someone said, well, how does going over your budget every evening help you save money? And they said, well, by the time we make any sense of our, out of our finances, it's too late to go out and spend any money. <laughs> Jesus is not saying here that poverty is good. He's saying that faith in God is more important. God is our source of security. Sometimes we think that if we have enough money, enough land, enough possessions, we'll be in control of our lives, we'll be protected, we'll be secure. People who experience floods and wildfires this summer know that control of those things is nothing but an illusion. We only think that we're secure. A young pastor tells about the most devastating event of his life, and that was the death of his mother. He said at first she complained of a pain in her side, and then the pain didn't go away. So she went to the doctor. They didn't find anything wrong with her, so they sent her home, scheduled a CAT scan to take a closer look. A few weeks later, a CAT scan showed that her entire colon and her liver were covered with cancer. And she was, of course, terminal. Four months later, she died with her family gathered around her as she breathed her last breath. He says his mother was a beautiful person. She had a deep faith in God and she was very, very committed to her family. She never complained about her pain or about being cut short of her life at the age of 49. Throughout her illness, his mother would say, 
I thank God for my family and my life. And even though she was diagnosed with terminal cancer, she still radiated joy that comes from placing her trust in God. Each morning, her husband would say to her when he walked in the room the first time, this is the day which the Lord has made. And courageously, she would answer him, let us rejoice and be glad in it. That is saint-like faith, living life, trusting God more than anything else. Saints are also people who will submit to their will, to the will of God. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, Jesus said. In the original Greek, that word meek meant literally tamed or broken, like a wild horse is broken. A wild horse is of no use to anyone until they're tamed, they're gentled, they're meek. Then that, little, that horse can carry little children on its back safely. Meekness is a matter of submitting to God's will. Submission is something that most of us, myself included, are not very good at. A first grader was very upset as he walked into the principal's office and asked to use the phone. The principal said, can I help you with something? And he said, yeah. Yesterday, I forgot my sweater at school. This morning, my mother told me not to come home without it. I can't find it anywhere, so I want to call her and ask her where I'm supposed to go. For many of us, life is a long battle for control. First, we try to control our parents. Usually doesn't work out too well for us. Then our teachers. Then our employers. And we even battle control of ourselves. That's kind of the humbling effect of a bad habit. We learn that we can't control ourselves at times. We only have one hope, and that is to yield to God's control. When we can do that, we can relax, knowing that God will take care of the rest. A man named William Henson tells a story about the time when his children were younger, and his youngest daughter, Kathy, had a cat that she loved dearly, and the cat died. So, after a while, they went to find another pet. Kathy picked out this cute little peekapoo puppy. And when they got home, Dad said, I think I'll build a doghouse for your dog. And so, he said, the only kind of dog I knew very much about was a really big bird dog that I had before. So when I built the house, I built a very large doghouse. And it was too big for that little dog. The size of the house scared the little puppy. And no matter what they did, they couldn't get him to go near the house. They put his food in there, he wouldn't go in and eat. They put his water in there, he wouldn't go in to get a drink. And then, in desperation, he said, I tried to push him in there, give him a little boost in there, and then hold my hands over the door so he couldn't get out. But it didn't work, because as soon as I moved my hand, he came dashing out of there, scared to death. Well, Dad went and sat down in his den for a little while to think about this and what he might do next. And in the meanwhile, Kathy stood outside, crying because her dad had built this nice house for her puppy, and the puppy wouldn't go in. 
After a while, she got down on her hands and knees, and she crawled into the doghouse herself. When she crawled in, guess what happened? That little puppy trotted right in beside her and stretched out on the floor, comfy as could be, laid on his back, and went to sleep. All the puppy's fears were gone now because the one that he loved and trusted had gone first into that dark, frightening place. It no longer caused the puppy to be afraid. There's a lesson here for us. Two lessons, really. One is that Jesus did that for each of us. He went into that dark place and took care of our needs so that we don't have to fear when this life ends. And the other is, because death is an unknown, sometimes we're afraid of it. We've had folks who have gone before us and have gone through that dark moment and then into that light and have found that it's a wonderful place and that it's not dark, not scary at all. And we someday will follow them. Saints trust in God. Saints submit their will to God. Finally, saints are people who, no matter what happens, hang on and stand firm in their faith. Jesus knew as he spoke to the disciples on that mountaintop that the day would come when they'd be punished for believing in him. Most of them were killed in the end for believing in him. Jesus knew that this kind of living that they were going to have to live was going to be difficult. And Jesus knew, too, that life was going to be difficult for us today, as it often is. In his last beatitude, he tried to warn the disciples that things can be tough. He says, Blessed are you when people revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. When those things happen, and they are bound to happen at one time or another in your life, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. It's going to be okay in the end. All through the ages, there have been saints who have suffered because of their faith. They took unpopular stands, but they stayed strong in the faith. They didn't waver when they were faced with trouble. Those people are examples for us. They offer us a word of hope. They endured, and so can we. When Margaret Helminski was seven years old, she got a gift from her grandmother. It was a tiny little cross with a very delicate little gold chain that was real, real fine. And her grandmother said, as she fastened it around Margaret's neck, never forget what this cross means. She said, I promise I won't. Over the years, she said that cross became a part of her. She wore it all the time. She could look at herself in the mirror and not even notice it. As a graduate psychology student, she took a job tutoring at a school for special needs children. She was suddenly surrounded by children who expressed their emotions by kicking, biting, screaming. She was terrified at first, but determined not to let it show to the kids. On her first night there, the head counselor said 
that there were three of the boys that were sitting at her table that had asked if she could take them to dinner that evening. She thought, oh man, by myself? How would I handle it if all three of them decide to act out at the same time? What will I do? She swallowed hard. She desperately needed this job, so she fought back the panic and the fear, and she walked with those boys to the dining hall. They passed through the cafeteria line as some of the other kids were having little tantrums and little fights were going on. Fortunately, though, none of her boys had any kind of behavior problem or outburst that evening. And they made their way to a table in the center of the busy cafeteria, and they sat down. Margaret picked up her fork and was about to take the first bite when she noticed that all three of the boys were not eating but staring at her. And she said, what's the matter? And the eight-year-old boy, whose name was Peter, said, aren't you going to ask a blessing? She said, I didn't think I was supposed to. This is a public school. She said, yes, but you wear a cross. Don't you know what that means? And her grandmother's words came back to her. Never forget what this cross means. The little boy said, we thought that meant something. Margaret said, it does. Thank you for reminding me. And she bowed her head, no longer afraid. She learned something about saints that day. She learned that saints trust in God and God alone for their security. Saints submit their will to God. And finally, that they stand firm in their faith all the way to the end. I've known a few saints in my time, haven't you? Some of them are right here today. Some of them are watching us on YouTube or will sometime this week. Some of them are gone, have sat here in this room with us. Sunday after Sunday, we've eaten with them downstairs, local restaurants, but they're gone now. And some of those saints, not perfect people, but perfect because of what Jesus did for them, have left us this last year. They fit some of the standards only because Jesus took care of that for them. Not because they had to be good, upright, perfect citizens, but because God made that sacrifice on their behalf. They blessed my life. They blessed your lives. Most of them, all of them, blessed others who knew them, maybe worked with them, went to school with them, lived with them. And on this day, All Saints Day, I want to say on their behalf, Presente, they're here. Amen.